Leadership Story Talks, where we discuss the practices that engage, motivate, develop, retain, and attract people to businesses. We'll give you principles and tools based on real-world stories to leverage listening and storytelling to become a better leader and management professional. Leadership Story Talks is produced by Narrative, a company that focuses on personal storytelling for business. Welcome to Leadership Story Talks. In this podcast, Julianne Ryan and I, Jerome DeRoy, discuss ways in which we can create more engagement in our lives, especially at work. There are more people today who identify as disengaged at work than there are who feel engaged. And so we come from Narrative, which is a company that focuses on engaging people at work through listening and storytelling. And we do this employing a seven-step method. So for those of you who've been listening to us for a while, you know that we have, uh, you know, we've gone through a variety of different topics uh, and a variety of different guests as well. And uh, today we're, we're really talking about a topic that's pretty close to, to my heart and close to the origins of narrative as a company. Uh, we're going to talk about health and storytelling. So Jules, uh, I want to just uh, welcome you for now and, uh, and yeah, and say hi. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you the all important question. What's yeah. on your mind, Jerome? And uh, <laughs> what would you like to share today? Well, what's on my mind, uh, you know, I, I've been working with a group. It's an association of uh, community health centers. And, and to be honest, I wasn't really aware. Um, I was aware of the existence of community health centers because actually uh, I go to one of them. Um, I moved to New Mexico recently and, and someone, uh, you know, advised that, that I go to, to this place as my, as my primary care provider. Um, and that's where their primary care provider is. And, and I, and I went and I discovered that it was a community health centers center, um, because they'll take any health insurance. When I went in and, and showed them my insurance card, there's always a little trepidation, even though I've got good insurance, sure. I, I never really know. Yeah, exactly. You never know who's actually going to say yes and who's going to say no. And so, um, so I went in and that's when they said, oh no, we take, we take any kind of health insurance. We're a community health center. And then a few months later, this association, um, you know, got in touch with me and asked if we would work with them to help create stories that would help mm. advocate for community health centers so that they can have more of those and that people know that they exist uh, because that's kind of the big issue is that in a lot of, in a lot of communities, um, people who don't have health insurance or who have you know health insurance that's not accepted widely uh, believe that they can't essentially get uh, medical care other than when it's too late, so to speak, and you have to go to the ER. And, uh, and so many of these communities don't realize that they have these health centers that are available to them, excellent quality care, um, and you know that, that you can go in even without health insurance, and they'll, they'll figure out ways uh, for, to, to cover you. So, so I learned about all of this in the process, and then we, we started to create stories. Um, oh. And yeah, and and you know those stories were very much about um, patients, you know, and kind of that the the uh, the the relationship between patient and provider, and you know it's interesting because we've we've I think we did an episode on uh, relationship building recently, and we've written about relationship building on our blog, and and to me there's really no difference, right? It, it's it's actually one of those relationships between you and your doctor 
It's probably one of the most important relationships you can have in your life, right? And, and so many people were reflecting that the number one thing that patients say to these doctors and these health centers is that, wow, I, I finally am listened to. You know, in other in other centers, I'm going and and you know, people say, "Where's your health insurance?" Oh, sorry, I can't I can't talk to you. I can't listen to you. But that's a really important point, and I, I would uh, make a guess that so many people have had that experience, and particularly like experiences as a female going to the doctor with certain doctors and finding out what isn't being heard or what assumptions are being made about the situation that people have shut down, not through any uh, malice or intent, but just maybe their blind spots, maybe their biases, they've shut down listening. So that whole point about building trust and really treating that person as a unique individual in that moment is, is so important. And it mm -hmm. only becomes more important if that person has never felt served or listened to or felt like th their role is not to question a doctor or advocate for themselves or really push back on certain things they've been experiencing. It's a tough thing. It's, a, it's when you're not feeling well, you're nervous, you need to advocate even more. And not everyone has had that opportunity. Right, exactly. You know, and, and I feel like I, I should probably tell a little bit of this story mm -hmm. that I heard um, because it it really kind of represents, you know, the the sort of challenge um, that people have when they go to a provider, no matter your background or income, et cetera, or health insurance. I, I think you you hit the nail on the head there that it's it's kind of a difficult relationship to enter because you know there's a there's something that's not going right with you if you go to the doctor mm -hmm. and 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 it's very mysterious and it's nerve-wracking and so no matter where you come from that's always going to be there's always going to be some fear there and so how do you start to build a, a relationship of trust it, it really depends on that person that receives you and that you know welcomes you into um into this facility and and so you know one of the people that i worked with um, she's the she's the the CEO of one of these health centers, but she was also she started out as a nurse in an ICU, and she told me how you know in the ICU when you have people come in and this was a, a di dialysis that was that was what she did and so you know it's dire times, um, sure and yeah and and it's an emergency room as well you know ICU and so. So these people come in and, you know, the term that was used was, you know, we have to get as many people as we can and then get them out. Um, and, and that term is we have to treat, treat them and street them. So, and that's kind of how they saw it. Right. And so she came from that background and then, you know, became the CEO of this health center. And she talked about this man that walked in through the doors of the facility of the clinic um, 70 year old man, a rancher, um, this is in Texas. And he, you know, he tells everyone there that his leg is hurting, uh, but that he needs to go back to work because he's a, he's a contractor and, 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 you know, he gets paid by the day. And so if he can't work, he doesn't get any money. And, uh, and so, you know, they look at his leg, et cetera. And then, you know, he says that he's been to other places but then what she decides to do is she decides to put him in touch in the clinic with a social worker, an enrollment worker, as well as a, as a nurse. And all three of those people start to work with this man to figure out how they can help him. One, 
to figure out what his background was, where he came from, what's what his history was, because they had absolutely no background on him. And two, the enrollment person was there to help just getting him the right paperwork. And it's in that process that they realize that he doesn't know how to read or write. And so now they're helping him to fill out these, these forms. They put him onto Medicare, they put him onto Medicaid, and then they, they found his background through the, the social worker and the nurse. They bring all of this into the clinic and, um, and they realize that, you know, that he's had gunshot injuries, that he's been incarcerated a few times, and, and that he's been to a lot of other doctors and a lot of other facilities and has this long history of trauma. Um, and then the, the doctor finally realizes that what's going on with his leg needs to be treated because it could lead to gangrene. I was and, wondering, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so there's a, so there's a procedure that's needed. So he ends up not losing his leg. They end up treating him the way they're, they're supposed to. And now he's a regular, uh, you know, patient in this facility and comes back for his regular checkups. And he told, you know, this woman who told me the story, he told her, you know, you were the first one that, that really listened to me. Uh, before that, I felt like nobody was listening to me and nobody was actually treating me. And so, you know, here was an example for her. She said, you know, this is why I do what I do is because I know I've seen people coming into the ER, coming into the ICU as a kind of last resort, hoping for a miracle when they could have gotten treated so much earlier and, and gotten onto a regimen that would have not only saved their lives, but allowed them to have a much better quality of life. And, and that's what happened with this man. He now comes back regularly and has that quality of life. And, and, and because, of, because of what he got through this center, and that's available to pretty much everybody in that county, right? But it takes money and it takes uh, awareness that these, that these centers exist. And so these stories, a story like that, you know, now she's gonna use that story to advocate for funds and support at the at the legislative, um, you know, and, and even try to get to get some bills passed at the state level uh, that could really help, um, you know, increase the the availability of these kinds of these kinds of centers. Um, so it's, to me, you know, I tell you that story because it, yeah. it's it it's very powerful and there's a per personal connection to it, um, you know, with this person, and it didn't take her very long. To, to figure out that that was the story, right? Uh, and it's great because, well, she humanized him rather than just an entity and great detective work on and collaboration on the behalf of her team to figure out all these bits and bites that could help. And I'm probably, I, I know um, so many, having been through so many hospitals and attending for various reasons, you know, family, et cetera, they are sometimes short staff and I'm thinking, but this is going to save money in the end of, of, in a crisis moment and maybe forestall other bigger things happening when you have what we just experienced in pandemic, having those resources and maybe some call outs. So it is a very good story to, to use. And I, I think it's great because so much in the tradition of how narrative started, uh, the tradition of listening and advocating and saying, help, help this person in a high, in a health situation that really needs your help. That was her call to action, by the way, the cost saving, mm -hmm. you know, she pointed out um, that, you know, it's it's one hundred sixty thousand dollars for those three positions, those three people, the the uh, enrollment worker, the social worker, and the nurse. Um, those were the three 
that helped this man to get it, to figure out his background, to get him on the right paperwork, to get him the right in, kind of insurance and all of that to cover the costs. Um, and she said, you know, that may seem like a lot for a small county like ours, but in actual fact, when you contrast that with all the people that are, the, the term is crash in emergency rooms, they, you know, they crash into the emergency room. Um, and then those, you know, a lot of those people die in the emergency room or they come out, but then they'll die shortly after, you know? And so what's the cost of that? And, and, uh, and of course there's, there's dollars to it, <laughs> but it's, it's a human life and that could have been spared. And, you know, and then you kind of extend that to, if you're talking to a legislator, these are your constituents, you know, uh -huh. that man who came through my clinic, that 70 year old man that nobody was listening to. When we listened to him, we saved his life. And now he's got quality of care. That's one of your constituents. And, you know, wouldn't you want all your constituents to, to have that level of uh, access and, and quality of care? That's great. And then go on is what else did you learn in, in this experience? You seem uh, really well, energized you by, you know, by uh, this experience. It is the purpose you're seeing. I mean, we do good work with this storytelling, but there is something you see, an actual thing happening in that moment that's going to be a life-changing experience. As you right. know, I'm not dismissing corporate changes and the rest of it. This is life-changing in, in the realest sense of the world. Yeah, and you know, I, I think there's two two other things. One is you, you were just talking about the origins of of narrative and how this closely aligns mm -hmm. with it, because that's kind of where we started. And, and yeah, you know, if I can elaborate on that, I mean, we, you know, that's part of our story is that, you know, this all started in, in a program where people who had HIV and AIDS were going to, to gather. It was a community center. Um, now, granted, you know, and they could actually get get uh, care there as well, or they could connect them um, to, to people that could that could care for them. But of course, at the time, this was in the mid 1990s, you know, they, they didn't have access to the treatments that we have access to today. And so people were dying, uh, not because they couldn't get care, but it's just because the drugs were not those treatments were just not available yet. Um, so there was a lot of mystery around it. But that same principle, though, emerged of, you know, everybody deserves to have a voice, you know, e even those who are, especially those who are highly marginalized, you know, and, and that term advocacy, you know, comes from the Latin ad, ad voce, which is adding voice. Mm. And so, you know, all of that, you know, is really part of our DNA at narrative. And, and the second thing I want to say is that having, you know, gone through this experience very recently with these community health centers and advocating for themselves, um, that, that idea of purpose and bringing it back to the business world, because, you know, here's a group of people whose purpose is very clear, you know, and they had these big build, these big uh, posters that said access, equity, uh, quality. Those are kind of their three values and their three things that you can count on when you go into one of those centers. That's what they're all about. And to me, you know, if if you are someone who's listening to us in the business world, uh, which, you know, we work with all the time as well, that's what, it's no different. We we ask them, what are your values? What are those values that are just completely, those things that are are not movable? You know, it's uh, that's what you're about. That's your purpose. Those are your values. Now tell me stories that are going to bring those values to life. You know, that's exactly what we did with these centers. We looked at that quality, access, um, you know, and equity. Okay, well, anybody can say that. I know corporations that say that, right, that have those words in their values. But what are the stories that are going to back that up? 
Um, and, and I think that's really important for everybody to, to kind of remind themselves of what are, what are those, those values that drive you and what are the stories that can back them up? So what I'm thinking about as I'm moving my hands and my body here is about that a lot of times we're telling a story or we have an opening to share something. We only are allowed so many beats mm. before somebody switches their listening or their attention goes elsewhere. And I suspect in your case, when your nurses or the CEOs are going in to gather the attention of somebody that they believe will impact their funding or advocate, they only have so many beats to get the message to them and have it resonate. Yes. So it hits a chord, an emotional chord. So how has that impacted how you're teaching? Yeah, guide, you're right. Or guiding, or, you know, guiding them to take key elements out of yeah, their um, point of view and mm, use them. Well, first of all, you're absolutely right. It, it's you don't have a lot of time, um, and again, that's one of the parallels with with the business mm. world, right? You don't have a lot of time to convince somebody. Uh, any you know, in any place, really, any situation, but this one in particular, where you're going to go see legislators, and you know, you've got 10 minutes, 15 minutes at a time, and you're building a relationship, and that's where we started with this group. We reminded them that you know the point is not to get all of the things you need in one session, right? In those 10 or 15 minutes, you're because it's not going to happen. A, a bill is not going to pass tomorrow, you know. Uh, it's going to take some time. You know, yeah, <laughs> I have to yeah. go to Queens think, right now. <laughs> yeah, I think exactly. I'm shocked at that little bit of information. That takes me totally by surprise. Okay, go on. I know. Do you mean that our political system is not working as efficiently as we thought it would? Snap it along yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. All right, I'll back so, to you. I can bring you my listening back. Okay, I just had to comment there for a second. Yeah. So that so that helps, you know, to just realize I'm building a relationship here. I'm not going in to try to convince somebody in five minutes. Um, and I think that sort of changes the mindset a little bit where you sort of think, oh, right, this is the first step. And the way that we conveyed it was, or the analogy was like, you're, you're, you're building your library here. You know, you're just starting to create stories that are going to go into that library. And so, you know, that that's the first thing is to kind of relieve a little bit of that, that pressure, because otherwise you come in really hot and you're not going to breathe and you're just going to blurt out everything you need to blurt out. And what's happening in the process is that you're not listening to, to the person that's in front of you. You're not really present to them. So we start with that. And then the second thing is when you actually tell a story and you get to that moment where it, it feels like, okay, this is the right time for me to tell that story that I was working on. You now gauge, all right, how much time do I have left? And should I be telling the story that I, you know, just learned to tell, or is there another story that I should be telling because it relates to this person that I'm meeting with right now? I've got the principles so I can create it. And then, you know, how long should it be? And so you're kind of, you know, all of this, of course, is takes a lot of practice and that's you mm -hmm. know, probably the, the most important part of the process here. Um, but, you know, that that's essentially it. And then when you're telling the story, just to remember the one principle that, you know, to know your beginning and know your end. And, and, you know, that way, if you know exactly where you're going to start and you know exactly where you're going to end, if your original script called for, you know, a 10 minute story, a five minute story, three minute story, and someone tells you, you know, we've only got one minute left. Well, I've got my beginning. I've got my end. 
that means I can just go right to it, right? And I can I can skip over those milestones that I had in my head because part of our method is to not learn anything off by heart or to not read notes, right? So you're actually, because you're taking a personal experience. So I always say you can never get it wrong because it happened to you. It's your life, you know? So maybe you're getting it wrong in your head because you're like, oh, I forgot to say this, or I forgot to say <laughs> that. <laughs> but, and it happens to everybody, right? It happens to me too. And, but then you realize, oh, wait a second. It seems like my audience is still with me. So whatever was in my head doesn't really matter because I'm connecting, right? So I think as long as you're, you're, you're with that idea that your goal is to connect, and that's kind of what we left people with, was, you know, don't worry about the script. Don't worry about that thing you tried to learn off by heart. First of all, don't learn it off by heart because it happened to you. You can't get it wrong. Uh, but just remind yourself that you're there to connect. So whatever you need to do to connect with the other person, right? Um, and if that means you need to cut your story in half in the moment, that's fine, you know, as long as it connects. Yeah, bullets. It. And I remember what you're saying is that the guidance, um, first of all, when we have to remember that this is the first time sometimes that person is in the audience, you know, our mm -hmm. audience of one or two or five. And I remember listening to an interview about a Broadway person um, talking about how do you do a show every night, every night, night after night to remind themselves that experience is the first time the audience is probably seeing it. So to kind of put themselves in that shoes and when they're delivering, it's not boring for them. It's not redundant. You can do fresh things to create it for yourself, but it's a new experience to help them catch up with you. So when you were doing these analogies about what do you need to keep, I couldn't help by thinking about when paramedics go out with their bag of must must have items or when you have the nurses rolling cart through the floors they always have essentials that they need so figuring out what essential lines and points that you're going to need with you when you get into that and just remind yourself okay i need to say at least something about this in some manner and like you said the key thing is is the closing so they have something that really strikes a chord with them and then to build on the next time of how you can keep engaging with them so good yeah. lessons, good practical lessons, but thinking on your feet, because I, you, you know, maybe that person is, has a chance to sit in a room. That's, that's our ideal moment. We're going to sit in a room at a conference table. A lot of times we're walking down the hallway next to somebody trying to make our point. And when that person's going to another meeting, so make sure your, your talk is mobile. <laughs> you could not stalk the person. We're not guiding that, but just Maybe it has to transition. Maybe that person doesn't have all the time they thought they were going to give to you. So make sure it has, your story has legs and it can follow that person and keep pace yeah. with them. Yeah. And, and remind yourself, you know, make sure your, your listener is still with you. I, mm -hmm. I think that's the other thing is, yeah. is, you know, you tell a great story and then you just kind of, you know, you lean in to, to listen to the, to the response uh, essentially, and get, get the information you need to get from them. And then if that's the end of the meeting, that's the end of the meeting. And the next time you build on that response and you, you find the, the correct story or the, the relevant story for the next time. And I think that's important when people think this is my only chance, they want to get those last words and, and it can do you a disservice because when it's time to go, it's time to go. And that person, mm -hmm. when we talk about the emotions of what they're, they don't remember always what you said, but they remember how you made you feel. And if you created to their stress and they're like, that person did leave, <laughs> they needed to leave. <laughs> they didn't understand they were supposed to leave. <laughs> then you might 
detract from the good you just did in those few minutes. So mm-hmm. kind of watching the balances of the nuances of what's happening in that moment and acknowledging their experience, what they need to do. And I think that'll be bias and street cred mm-hmm. or else yeah. you're, you're going to get hauled out by security. So you don't want that either. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So, that's right. So you want to end on a good note and be very positive, but these are all very important tips for advocacy. And then, um, and talking about health is delicate. It, it can trigger so many things. So giving people the moment and the space to really take in what you're trying to talk about. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. I, I think we've, um, you know, we've, thanks for, thanks for your listening, Jules, uh, as always. And uh, I feel like you, you, your listening always brings uh, something out of me that's, that's new and, and fresh. So I appreciate that. And, uh, and yeah, for our listeners, I think, you know, as you said, there's, there's a lot of lessons learned here and, and we'll add that to, uh, to the notes as well. There was a couple of resources and websites uh, that I came across that could be helpful to people. Um, and um, yeah, I think I think we'll leave it at that for today. Um, and as always, I want to point people towards everywhere you find podcasts, all the different platforms you go to. There's always a chance to leave a review, to like our podcast, um, as well as to give it, you know, give it a comment. So please do that because that's how we get word of mouth going. Um, and word of mouth is really important. So if you enjoy this podcast and want other people to enjoy it as well, please do. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review and notes. Uh, also, you can find out more, as always, from us at narrative.com, N-A-R-A-T-I-V.com. Uh, we house all of our podcast episodes there. We also house our blogs uh, there. And again, a lot of free resources at your disposal on that website. And if you or your team want to learn how to find, craft, and tell stories that people will remember for the rest of their lives and come back to you for, please don't hesitate to uh, to get in touch with us. Again, we have a contact form on our website that goes straight to us, and uh, we are always ready to listen. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jules, for being here again. We can help you fix stuff with stories. Don't forget that. All right. Until next time, goodbye and good luck. Stay healthy and well and safe. Thank you. All right. See you next time. For more information on the narrative listening and storytelling method and how it can help your business, go to narrative.com.